freshly out of the pagan lifestyle, and it has scandalized some of those new Christians' consciences. So now in our verses today, we see a sharp contrast between Paul and some of the Corinthian leaders, some of the Corinthian elites, uh, who demanded their rights. Instead of demanding his rights, Paul sets aside his rights in our text today, all for the sake of the gospel. All for the purpose of not being a stumbling block, a potential stumbling block for other people. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship the Lord. So the reason why Paul puts these rhetorical questions in is because that everyone already agreed on this. They knew that Paul was free. They knew that Paul was an apostle. These things couldn't be reasonably doubted. And interestingly, the third question that they asked, have, you, have I not seen Jesus uh, our Lord, the rhetorical question? probably is referring to Paul's encounter, uh, Saul at the time, with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, something we read about in Acts chapter 9. But an early criteria for apostleship, it appears, when we are looking, uh, we look at Acts chapter 1, it talks about the replacement, uh, of finding a replacement for Judas, and they choose a man named Matthias. Uh, and some of the criteria they say there is that they had spent time together with the Lord and that they could witness, were witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the fourth question that Paul kind of infers as well, uh, the seal of his apostleship or the mark of it, is just the very existence of this church itself. And Paul planted this church. He invested in this church. He loved these people. my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? And don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? So Paul's apostleship is not in doubt. And with apostleship and full-time ministry, gospel, there are certain rights and privileges uh, that come from this work that Paul and Barnabas, they did not take advantage of their right to support. Some interesting things we can glean from these verses. 
tends the flock and does not drink the milk. These three illustrations were common and well understood examples of entitlements that came with certain labors. Could you reasonably deny these things, these rights, for people who perform these tasks? Everyone would understand, uh, universally understand, that certain works come with defined and understood and expected benefits and wages. Paul adds to that. Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? This is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. The whole section of Deuteronomy outlines expectations for the care of certain groups of people, legal, legal responsibilities in the law of Moses that God expected to be filled, uh, fulfilled. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. It's not unreasonable to expect these things. So Paul points out it's not just oxen that the writer of Deuteronomy has in mind. Paul is boasting, is bolstering, rather, his argument uh, now with the authority that comes with the law of Moses. This is an example we find all over the Bible, basically, the argument. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest among you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So we all know Paul had certain skills that he was able to work and uh, make an income and it provided him certain freedom in the way he was able to interact uh, with, the, with these new churches that he was planting. Uh, some other things that we can see, it seems like there were others who came after Paul who were supported by the Corinthian church. Uh, but Paul himself, he probably had the greatest right for any person to have support from a church. He's the guy who planted this congregation. <laughs> Yet, unlike some others, even especially among the Corinthians, Paul did not demand his rights to support because of the possibility that the demand of those rights, it could inhibit the spread of the gospel of Christ. I think that there are times for the sake of the gospel, uh, I would say especially in situations where new churches are being planted, that those who are doing that work should not carry with them the expectation of local support. Uh, I think that there's wisdom in that. Because when matters of money and monetary benefit come into things like ministry, there's always potential for misunderstandings. And uh, you just learn this in life. When you bring money matters into things, things can go sideways very quickly. And it takes a lot of wisdom. Uh, and a discerning heart to know how to use uh, the resources of the Lord's church 
bulldozing over others. When you put God in charge of your public relations, it gives you greater freedom. It grows your patience, your faith, and trust. God will take care of me in God's time. And that is such an uncomfortable place because God almost never works according to our time Put God in charge of your public relations. You don't have to squeak so much.